It's Emily here, and today I want to invite you to make sure to check out Robinhood Integrative Health. If you are a resident of the Winston-Salem, North Carolina area, and you're looking for a doctor who treats you differently, looks deeper into the issues that you're having, and seeks to hear you as a person and really help to get you better, then I can't recommend Robinhood Integrative Health, where Dr. Wiggy practices enough. Make sure that you go to their website and see how you can benefit from their services today. And did you know that they even take some insurances, which basically never happens in integrative medicine. So make sure to check them out and enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here with Dr. Wiggy, and we are doing our second recording in two days, which we never do, uh, because we're still on in our beach bungalow, um, belated celebrating our 18-year wedding anniversary, which... Today was lovely. We had massages, which were so good. Um, a guy actually came here, and our we barely had room to <laughs> set up his table, but he was awesome. He did a great job. Really cool guy. Um, and been outside roasting in the sun. Had some really good taco salads for lunch, and we're just hanging out. There's live music like a hundred yards away. It's really lovely. Not even. We could probably we could probably open the door and they could hear it, but we won't do that. So we're going to talk about him. In our last episode, we kind of did some Q and A and some vulnerabilities per se. And today, Wiggy is going to share a little bit about a personal struggle that he's had and how he's approached it and helped to help himself, which. Here's something you need to know before we talk about this topic. Over the past, how many years have you been doing or interested in integrated medicine? Interested or doing? So interested about 15 years. Okay. We'll say, we'll say 12 years. There have been so many books with kind of funny titles come into our house, but that's not what I was going to say. He always tries things on himself and or the people that live in his house before he suggests them to his patients most of the time. But your patients have really good tips too. For sure. Yeah, I learn a lot from them, absolutely. Yeah, okay, so you gotta tell everybody, um, this is not our topic today, but tell them about the most recent suggestion and how it's been helpful. Yes. Because it's great, I love it too. Yeah, the most recent thing uh, is something called block therapy, uh, which was kind of a random thing that just brought up from from one of of my patients, um, but very helpful for her. And uh, she mentioned a couple things that really seemed to be uh, particularly helpful with, uh, particularly allergies, uh, she mentioned, which was kind of an interesting uh, thing to help with, uh, this thing called block therapy. Oh, I didn't know it was allergies. Yeah, interesting. But... (laughs) That's not um, why you need it. <laughs> no, definitely not. But when she described it to me, I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out a little bit more. So block therapy is basically these um, these wooden blocks that come in as part of a system, and then they smooth bamboo uh, wooden blocks that you basically put pressure on certain parts of the body uh, with the intent to help kind of relax and to break down and dissolve uh, fascia. 
which is part of the body that I don't think a lot of emphasis or attention is put on because it's really just the kind of the glue of the body. It's, right. the, it's kind of the connective tissue that ties all the cells and all the tissues together. But learning more about it, which I, I actually think is probably, it's not, not addressed enough, and we probably could do a whole podcast on it, which I don't think we're going to go into unless we <laughs> want to change gears. But the, the fascia can, be, can, can change and can basically pull you out of like your proper alignment. So you have, you know, you can get kind of hunched over, you can have, um, you know, spinal misalignment, you can have hip misalignment. And so that's another journey that I've been working on because I, I also, I mean, when you say one of my personal struggles, which personal struggle do you want to talk about? But a <laughs> um, lot, lot of low back, a lot of SI joint pain, that's been something else that's really plagued me off and on for the past, gosh, forever, uh, really since, since soccer. Um, I've had a lot of kind of just musculoskeletal issues but it's been really interesting because doing this block therapy, it, uh, I do feel like it does help tissues to relax, mm-hmm. which does improve flexibility, uh, which I'm, I'm notoriously really tight. But this is also part, kind of eye-opening when going through physical therapy. What they said is that my muscles aren't tight. Right. It's my kind of joints and connective tissue. So then when they said that, and then this block therapy person kind of said this, I was like, all right, I'll, you know, it's worth trying. Yeah. Um, but, it's, but it does seem to improve flexibility, interestingly, because mm-hmm. you're not actually stretching the muscles at all. You're just putting pressure on different parts of the body. And when the fascia releases, it actually does improve range of motion. So it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Yeah, so you guys should have seen. So last night, so Wiggy has two blocks, a bigger one and a small one. And he brought them with us, and we're both laying in bed with one of these blocks on a certain body part. They're helpful to me, so pregnancy, you know, is hard on the body. I imagine that when you're 41, right? And um, I've had a lot of, uh, what do you call it? Um, Gracilis? Gracilis. Gracilis pain. And so I was just laying there reading my amazing book last night with this like block squeeze between my legs and Wiggy took them out to the beach this morning so I'm sure all the people thought you were yeah I was stretching on the beach very cool yeah mm-hmm. yeah so you know all this to say we love suggestions from patients or anyone and we have we're, we play guinea pig in our house so something else we talked about this during lunch today um I am going to start taking Organ meat or organ not meat organ capsules is that what they call uh, liver and yeah. organs yeah freeze dried sounds, liver capsules yeah freeze dried liver capsules apparently they're equal or better than placenta encapsulation for prenatal and postpartum thriving so I'm gonna give it a shot and I'll let you guys know if it's amazing. Don't worry, I'll let you know. So, this is what we do. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's a lot of people actually get into integrative medicine either because they themselves have health issues, yeah, or someone they love was really helped by integrative yeah. medicine, or they just did a lot of research and said, "Well, why don't you try this?" And then it actually ends up helping them. Yeah. And then so yeah, that's it's it's usually a personal journey. I would argue, I mean, I I had the pleasure of getting to interview 
a lot of candidates for provider positions at Wiggy's practice, which is super fun. If you didn't know this about me, I recruited and helped manage a recruiting firm for, um, I don't know, eight or nine years, right before we had our first son. And it's still really fun for me to put on that hat, but all of the providers have had mm-hmm. some sort of personal experience, either their child, their spouse, a family member, that made them see things differently, and so that's been cool. Yeah. Okay, so let's get to our topic, because we've already taken up like eight minutes. That's my fault. I started Yeah, that's okay. Um, so what is your secret personal struggle that you're going to share about today? So the one that I've really been trying to highlight and focus on here recently has been sleep. Uh, sleep has been really pretty bad, um, <laughs> I'd say since... Bad. Well, really since medical school. I think that's probably mm. when, it, when it seemed to get disturbed and definitely through residency. <laughs> Wiggy so, still can't hear. Not that there are pagers. Oh, there are. That's not true. I think they still have pagers. Oh, yeah. So we have a resident in our church small group. We love them. They're amazing. He's an anesthesia resident. And one time Wiggy saw his pager and he was like, you brought that in my house. Sorry. Oh, yeah, pagers. <laughs> they give me nightmares for, yeah. for real. Uh, because, yeah, during residency, so we... We will at least on call. You'd wear a pager, and then sometimes <laughs> I I'd also wear the code pager, which means that I got paged in the middle of the night if someone was coding was dying. Right. And we had to go there and try to try to save them. So that, you slept. You tried to sleep on your little cot. Yeah. That. So. And then your pagers. Yeah. So you know, basically, you try to sleep. You get fight or flight response. You wake up. Have to be alert right away, and go and you know, whatever emergency that there is and then try to rest again. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. And I, and I think that that could have been, you know, part of the trigger or part of the problem with just my sleep in general. Cause I do tend to stay in this fight or flight pattern. I like am easily awakened, you know, especially when we had kids, like when they'd cry, <laughs> I would wake up, you know, feel like I had to go. Oh, you forgot. That's not over. Well, I know we're starting over. <laughs> But sleep has been really, really challenging. And, yeah, part of the reason why I'm focusing on it is because we are expecting um, a little baby girl. And so trying to get to sleep as good as it can be before, you know, she's here, that's, that's like, really been, again, a top, top priority. So, and it's something that I've, I've, again, I've struggled with, but I haven't necessarily really tried hard no. to say, okay, what are, what are, what are all the possible variables and trying to isolate them mm-hmm. and then say, okay, these are the ones that are but making a difference, these aren't. Arguably, things got worse recently. Yeah. Well, for sure. Yeah. So, because like your ongoing light sleeping and all that, that's, it wasn't as detrimental as it became more recently. Yeah, sure. So, so, yeah, some nights I was only getting three or four hours of sleep. Recently. Right, recently. Right. Right. Yeah. Recently. It's like it came to a head of some sort. Yeah, I'm, and again, I'm not sure what, what changed uh, mm-hmm. and why it seemed to be worse. But, yeah, kind of over past year or so is when it really, really got worse. And, of course, that's when you know, it, it affects everything. Mm-hmm. Quality of life, irritability, mental clarity, uh, when you're not sleeping well. So, uh so yeah, so when it, when it got to that point, I was like, okay, I got to figure out some way to to fix this. So one of the first things that I think is actually very helpful, you know, this is, this may be you know kind of going back to 
trying different things and these little tools that we have, one of the tools that I found really helpful for sleep and sleep pattern recognition is the aura ring. Mm. So I got this aura ring and I'm wearing it now. It's the it's this ring that you put on um, and you wear it primarily at night, but you can wear it you can wear it throughout the day. And it has these sensors in the ring that can measure things such as uh, your your heart rate, your respiratory rate, your pulse ox, your heart rate variability, and and your sleep. And basically every morning it kind of gives you this score that says, okay, this is this is how well you slept, uh, based on different metrics like how how long were you were you awake, how much deep sleep did you have, how much light sleep, how much uh, REM sleep, REM sleep did you have, and then kind of gives you this this sleep score. And the other thing that's very helpful is it also measures heart rate variability. So for those that aren't familiar with heart rate variability, heart rate variability is basically a, the best metric we have to measure uh, stress and to measure the balance between sympathetic tone and parasympathetic, parasympathetic tone. And so the lower your heart rate variability, the more fight or flight response you, you're in and the less parasympathetic, which is kind of the rest and digest, the less you're there. So when you have poor sleep, a lot of times you see that there's also this lower heart rate variability. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that's really helpful with Hold you- Hold on, pause though. So if you have a Garmin watch, there's also something called the body battery mm-hmm. that is, it's, you can't, um, disseminate those numbers the same you can with your R ring but you can use your Garmin uh, similarly with your body battery yeah I think you can use a, a Garmin watch or an, an Apple watch well the Apple is sorry it's not exactly made for health and wellness quite the same as oh, it's, some it's of the other watches to be. it's trying to be I don't but I don't like wearing a watch at night so that was one of the problems I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't do it but the ring isn't too bad because it's it's less intrusive. I already have to wear, you know, I, I already get to wear. I, what hell did you hear what he just uh, said? A wedding ring. He has to wear a wedding ring. Well, I do have to. It's not a, that's not a negotiable. But I I get to wear uh, a wedding ring already, so it's not, it's it's something that's pretty easy to get, to get used to as far as. Here's a funny story about the R ring. So when you order one they first send you this sizing kit so you get how many was it a whole bunch okay so you get all these little plastic versions of it and to figure out what size you (laughs) right to figure out that it's for sizing and our kids were very interested in this because they all want to be like their dad (laughs) which is precious and so to this day our two older boys are wearing their plastic <laughs> sizing R rings so they can be like their dad, and it's hysterical and That's precious. Yeah. It's so cute. They're wearing their little plastic sizer rings, yes. and they look like their dad. So sorry, that was a side note. No, it is cute. But one of the other things that really is helpful with the Aura Ring uh, and the Aura Wrap or Aura app is that you also can tag things. Mm-hmm. So you can tag like caffeine. You can tag alcohol, you can tag um, exercise, walking, you can tag things like uh, a late night meal, all those things, 
pretty much anything you think of, you can you can tag, or anything that likely would have some sort of influence on sleep, you can tag, and then you can start to actually pick and choose the tags and see if your sleep is disturbed by it. So, what I've come to find, and this is where there are some helpful tips uh, in this podcast, is that I've found, and this, you know, I'm a light sleeper. We kind of started off by saying that I just don't sleep well, and so I'm easily, I easily wake up. But if I can control the things that that affect that the deepness of sleep, then I tend to sleep better through the night. So what I've found is that any caffeine uh, impacts my sleep that night. Tremendously. Yeah, big deal. So, so hold on. We already knew that Wiggy could not have a lot of caffeine. Yeah, right. So, like, I can drink by myself a whole pot of coffee in the morning and massive amounts of unsweetened iced tea throughout the day and I can sleep fine and that's something we've always joked about how different we are because like you could for a treat because you know you could drink like one soda at 3 p.m and not be able to sleep yeah no it's it's for me it's it's that that much of that much of a difference yeah one cup of coffee in the morning and that's one one thing a lot of times I hear patients say well I just have a cup of coffee in the morning, and I said, you know, you know, you wouldn't think that that would make a difference. And I'm even a fast caffeine metabolizer, which is so uh, based on my genetics. I I tend to yeah. break down uh, caffeine fast, but yeah, for me, one cup of coffee in the morning. Uh, I've even noticed decaf uh, in the evening, can or in the afternoon can make me where I don't sleep well. So I've actually gone pretty much pretty much zero caffeine, even cutting back on things like chocolate. Uh, seems to make a difference. So I've cut out, cut out uh, caffeine. I've switched to drinking like a greens juice. Um, we're just doing like advertisements. Through this. <laughs> you should be an affiliate for all the things. Probably should. We already talked about like ten things. Yeah, no, I'm for. saying we're just going from one to the next. No, that's all um, right. So, so caffeine, and this is where I think if you do struggle with sleep, this is actually. Not say I'm not sure if it's if I can say it's not hard. But until you try it, I don't think you really are gonna know how much of a difference it's gonna make. Mm. So like I said, I have a lot of, again, a lot of patients that say, yeah, I just don't sleep well, I'm, having, I'm waking up in the middle of the night, you know, I'm just getting poor quality sleep. And then I ask them about their caffeine, they say, oh, you know, I just have one cup of coffee or I have one you know, energy drink to kind of pick me up in the middle of the morning or something. And I just tell them, hey, try and just cut it out all together. And it does take a little bit to get out of your system, so it's not, it's not like the next day necessarily. It's like a couple of weeks, I'd actually say, is when, it, when you really seem to start telling a difference that if you cut it out completely, then in a couple of weeks, I think sleep really improves for most people. Um, again, it's not perfect, but it's one of the things that you can control. And this is, again, not easy, but it's doable. And you just have to kind of realize that it's worth it when if you sleep better, everything's better. So I think that's, that's an important, important tip is that caffeine, I think, if you're sensitive, again, like Emily said, she can drink you know, coffee all day and be fine. I don't know about that anymore. I used to be able to do that. I don't drink caffeine, or I don't drink coffee in the afternoon or evening. Right. I do drink unsweet tea up until like, I don't know. I mean, the but yeah, tea but I even, make at home is decaf, so I don't But know. even tea, I think, for me, is mm-hmm. too much. So even drinking an unsweet tea at lunch 
I think disturbs the sleep and you can you can again you can tag it and you can track it mm -hmm. which I do think is a very helpful thing on on the app so ca so that'd be one tip is just consider cutting out caffeine altogether mm -hmm. uh, again coffee tea energy drinks of course no one should be drinking any sodas that there's terrible for you um, but that also of course has caffeine in it so just try and cut that out altogether uh, one of the other things that really seemed to disrupt sleep, and this was not only just the same day, but actually a couple days uh, after, alcohol seemed to make a big difference uh, for me. And, you know, I'd, I would drink one or two, like, seltzers. Yeah, like, that was but he like, is not a big drinker. No, like I said, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like He's caffeine for me. He's a very good me. DD. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like caffeine. It's like even, like, one drink was enough to dis disrupt my sleep. And again, this like, yeah, low Which, alcohol content seltzer. And you've always been also, like, we've been together for a long time, even during college. Like, you've always been fairly sensitive to sure. alcohol and never a big drinker. Right. Um, but that's just fascinating it, to me that one or two 5% alcohol seltzers can mess up your sleep. But, well, but, but alcohol has one been... One of those things to consider. But it's been well studied, and that's where... This is it's hard to refute that alcohol disrupts sleep. We know oh, that, we know that we know that people don't sleep well with any alcohol. So you know, if, even like people say, well, one glass of wine, and I, I, I think there's actually a debate now with is coffee is coffee really good for you? And I think there's a debate about that. I think the same debate can go for wine. You know, is one glass of red wine really good for you, or yeah. is that just kind of this? narrative and I, and I and I think we could have a debate about that but well I, I know for me like first of all you should know I'm never gonna drink one glass of wine I'm gonna always have two so um, but definitely especially later if it's later in the evening yeah that will I mean my body battery because that's what I have as my Garmin um, it will definitely tank yeah. And like so whereas usually the body battery so the body battery goes from zero to a hundred. Normally while you're sleeping it increases traumatic dramatically. So I've found that um when I've had multiple drinks it will instead go down. So then I'm starting my day right. lower. And I mean that's everybody knows that if you have a significant amount of alcohol you feel groggier the next day whether you want to mm. believe it or not oh, you absolutely do for sure <clears throat> and but again I think it's very personal so. right well and then this is also in looking at the research show for al alcohol we know it affects the sleep that that, that night mm -hmm. but we also know that that it tends to affect sleep and cognition for about three or four days how much alcohol are you saying so I think it's any alcohol any any alcohol does affect your sleep and your cognition for for about that period of time it takes about three or four days to kind of recover after you've had alcohol so a lot of people you know they'll have alcohol on like you know wednesday or something and then saturday but if that if you're doing that then basically you're always trying to recover from that so you actually never get back to your kind of your full potential and capacity if you're having drinks multiple nights a week so I think that's also important. Again, this is not just one of those things, oh, I, I can just cut it out, you know, if I'm having trouble sleeping. You, you have to cut it out consistently for a period of time. And, that, and this is similar to the caffeine. I think your brain takes a while to, takes a while to rewire. 
to be like, okay, I my it's starting to I'm starting to function better now. I don't I can start to rest. I can start getting in parasympathetic. I'm not going to get all these irritants and these toxins in my system. I can rest. So this is one of those things where you can't just cut it out for a couple of days and be like, oh, I'm not sleeping a lot better. You got to give it some time. So cutting out all alcohol, and this is I know it's not necessarily this is not the most fun uh, podcast. He's such a buzzkill. But cutting he? out cutting out <laughs> caffeine. Cutting out alcohol and just seeing how, how your brain functions. I think you'll be pretty amazed, actually. And then um, I'm trying to think what the other... What's my third highest diet? tip? Yeah, so let's talk about diet. So <laughs> I was sure. going to say, I'm pretty sure that's your probably number one. Yeah, maybe that is probably the, probably the most important, actually. So um, been on a bunch of different spectrums with what do I think the best diet is? And I'm still trying to figure out where that, where that lands. Well, arguably that's different for everybody. And I think it is different for everybody. But what I, what I do know is that certain foods also seem to be very disruptive for sleep. Um, and, and I would say the biggest categories are sugars, for sure. That, that also seems obvious. You're spiking your sugar, spiking your insulin, then crashing. Mm-hmm. That's never good for sleep. But I think along those same lines is anything that turns to sugar pretty fast does the same thing. So pretty much any starch, mm-hmm. I think, can disrupt sleep. Now, that, there's a bit of a caveat to that, is that that also takes a while for your body to adjust. So when you go too low of carbs, then you can get this kind of hypoglycemia, and then you get the kind of same sympathetic response, and then you actually have worse sleep um, until you become more adapted to either fat or protein as your primary primary fuel, fuel source so what what seems to work best for me is yeah so no sugar no processed foods i mean I, almost all processed foods are just just grains and starches um but i do more or less like a i don't know what the even name of it is but like a carny flex carnivore adjacent <laughs> uh diet where it's where it's meat fat and then i'm doing more fruit and then some veggies so that that seems to that combination seems to work pretty well and and it does seem to kind of maintain energy levels maintain mental clarity and then also seems to stabilize blood sugar and then sleep does tend to be better mm-hmm. so i'll brag on so this is just kind of getting a, a comparison from where i was with those three changes so dietary changes cutting out all caffeine cutting out all alcohol and i've probably been doing this for I don't know, two months, maybe three months. Mm-hmm. It's been a while, but not not super long. But my sleep score initially was in like the, I don't know, 70s, I think was my average. Or maybe, might even be worse than that. And that, was, and that was even when things were starting to get a little bit better than at my worst. But I just had my best sleep score, just like re- recently I got 92 or something. And the best you can have is 100. Yeah. So it's really been remarkably that different we didn't have any kids in the house. yeah so okay that also doesn't fully count it yeah probably doesn't <laughs> count because that well having kids definitely makes for me makes my sleep there's lighter. something about all those people that could come in yes Speaking could come in fight or could flight, cry yeah. One t- yeah we don't really have any crying now but we're going to very soon yeah not much um but <laughs> A child came in our room in the middle of the night and was doing kind of one of those like horror movie things standing over the bed and Wiggy woke up and like 
grabs his shoulders, and they were both so startled. Poor kid. He's probably yeah. scarred forever. So I have a question. Yeah. So when we have a baby that wakes you up all the time, what are you going to do? Uh, you do the best you can. You know, sleep hard when you can. Despite my best efforts, I can't. I can't. Uh, I mean, well, I, I will wake up, but Wiggy always wakes up first, and then he has a hard time going back to yeah, sleep. I, say, I just hope, and this will be interesting to see, because I don't think I've ever tried all these things with kids. And I don't know if I'll be able to go without coffee or not. I really, I really don't know. Yeah. I might have to oh, add it back in. But, I will probably be but I saying, hope not. please drink coffee. I hope not. Please have a cup so. of coffee. Well, but would you also agree that, like, when you're just that overwhelmingly exhausted that sometimes that can... I have mixed feelings about that. Okay. Because coffee definitely gives you a boost. Mm-hmm. Definitely gives you met- better mental clarity. There's no question that it does that. But is that in sacrifice of worse sleep that night... And then do you actually become more dependent on coffee? And I think that's... Or does that fully depend on the person, which would be my That's what I'm saying. It, 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 I think all this is individualized. Yeah. I don't think any of this is, is a prescription to yeah. say everyone needs to do exactly as I do. Well, so I would say, like, for myself, like, pregnancy aside, let's pretend I'm not pregnant, um, it's... It's sugar that probably mm. makes the biggest difference. Because I don't eat sugar except for when we go for our once per week or twice per week sometimes ice cream indulgence. Mm-hmm. And that messes up my sleep yeah. a lot. Oh, yeah, sugar for sure. So yeah. that's another thing. We, that's big that for me because I eat, I mean, we eat very clean and I eat very, very low carb. And I, I, even during pregnancy, I would say, compared yeah, to most pregnant sure. women, I eat very low carb. I mean, for I sure. eat some, but not a lot. But um, I would say that, and what's interesting is, during my lo- this pregnancy and with Hutch, sugar makes me very sick. So that's been easy to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just interesting for me that that makes a huge difference. So. Yeah. Um, and I would say if you are going to eat sugar, it's probably better to do it earlier in the day. My cravings for sugar are generally late at night, and I want ice cream. But um, I, I just, I mean, it's it's kind of an out-of-body experience. Like, yeah. much of pregnancy, like, I just, it's kind of repulsive right now, so. Well, I think the, the point, the big point, you know, for this podcast is that I think most people have more control over certain things and than they like to think mm. so and that then like this I has been never. yeah and this has been this has been you know very eye-opening for me is to say these are variables that I can control you yeah. know I can control if I have any caffeine I can control if I have any alcohol and I can control if I have any sugar here's what I can do that here's what's so interesting though so granted I am in my third trimester of pregnancy but pretty much every day from forever since we've been married I wake up before Wiggy <laughs> yeah and over these past couple of months he's like up and raring to go and has made me breakfast half the time before I'm even like alert now granted it's summer our kids are out of school I'm in my third trimester of pregnancy but it's still fascinating because yeah, it's, it's very different it is different but uh, I not think, in a bad I'm I mean that's 
amazing. I'm like, this is just so But when you different. sleep, yeah, everything yeah. is different the next day. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we just we think that's those are some important tips. Take them for for what they're worth. Uh, again, I found them to be very helpful. I, I I do have some supplements that I think can also be helpful, but I also am starting to have some mixed feelings on even some of the supplements. Like what? So like melatonin, I'm, I have oh, mixed feelings I on like, like melatonin. melatonin. He sometimes says melatonin. I don't like it. Uh, mixed feelings on like CBD for just for, like for sleep CBD in particular. Either. So. It's just magnesium, though, is different. Magnesium, That's a mineral. Yeah, so yeah, there's different things that I think can be helpful, but this is also where it's very individualized. Yeah. Some people, I think, do need some supplements. I think the older you get, the more likely you're going to need melatonin. Mm-hmm. And so we can talk about that in a different episode. We've already rambled on a lo- long enough with this one, but this is no. That's like my uncle on our family beach trip. He's like, Liggy, I haven't slept in the night in like 15 years. But that, like you said, like yeah. maybe CBD would be helpful for him, right? Versus someone who's forty versus someone who's sixty-five. Well, again, and just like for that example, again, what's he drink most of? A lot of coffee. A lot of coffee, and at the beach, at least a lot of beer. So I mean, I don't know. So yeah, again, who knows? I adore How, my uncle. Oh, he's we awesome. Not, we, this he's uncle a, is awesome. awesome. We're yep. not. We're not. Yeah. But it's just a, just a thought. Is that uh-huh. could that potentially help? I don't know. So anyway, that's uh, those are my tips for the. But for he sleep. makes me my coffee at the beach. So true. Can't stop doing that. He he does get up before anyone else. Yeah. But see, that's the difference. I think too. Older people sometimes. Sixty five is not old, but don't require as much sleep. So I, I don't know if that's true or not either. Is it not? We don't sleep as much as we get older. Right. But is it that we do we do we require less? I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, we don't need as much as a kid. Yeah. I mean, kids that are growing need How a about, lot of sleep. Or a but, pregnant woman like me who can I can easily sleep a good nine and a half hours. Also, right I'm saying now. that's part of the growth. Mm-hmm. The baby's growing. You yeah. need to sleep because of the growth. Oh, so, we're both so kids, growing. Yeah, kids <laughs> need to sleep because they're growing. Yeah. Adults don't get as much sleep because that does get go down as you get older but i also don't think that this necessarily means that we don't need as much sleep Fair. so it's different and please i mean i feel like the trend of like look how cool i am i only sleep four hours a night because i'm a hard worker and i'm so productive like i feel like that trend is kind of over yeah but if if you're not prioritizing sleep because of productivity like it's time to consider letting that go yeah yeah no i think uh, as far as I how used much to be that person yeah i think everyone needs probably at least seven hours of good sleep mm. probably closer to eight to to actually be optimal mm-hmm. but seven hours of good sleep I'd say i really is. think like i used to be that person that was like look what i can do on five hours of sleep but i really think with this baby i'm going to be like i go to bed at nine o'clock and because yeah. I know I'm going to get up multiple yeah. times throughout the night. And so I need from 9 to 6 to be able to try to sleep as much as I can. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, that was long. But thanks, y'all, for joining us and sticking with us. We appreciate you. We would love your comments on what's helped you with your sleep. And we always appreciate your reviews on whatever listening platform you prefer. Thanks again, and we look forward to your questions, and we'll catch up with you next time.